Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? I am well. Um, I've had some very interesting news, though. Claire has provided me with a revelation. Now, uh, you may remember that um, a few weeks ago, I was asking how you cope with trying to open up a bag, a plastic bag like fruit or veg, when you got your face mask on. And I had made a fool of myself at the supermarket trying to achieve this and failing. Claire made the suggestion, it might be obvious, but it had never occurred to me, use some anti-bat gel to sort of create the friction to open the bag. Claire, you are a very clever person indeed. So well done. The Medal of Cleverness is is on its way to you, Claire. Very, very good. And also, I am I've been quite surprised by the number of you that have commented about running in the dark and how scared we all are. Uh, It is a huge relief to know it's not just me. It really is. Um, But, you know, we we must all be as crazy as each other, really, then, because we're quite a few of us going running in the dark, absolutely scared out of our minds. So maybe we just need to change the genre we, we read. I don't know. No, I'm not going to do that. But anyway, so what have we got today? Well, I've got a couple of podcasts that I forgot to mention last time that I need to mention immediately. So we're going to do that. Um, We've got some brilliant books to talk to you about. I've got my lovely Facebook group and what they're reading. There's no book box to open this week. You may be very happy about that. You may be very sad. I'm sad because I love opening them. It's a lot of fun. Um, But next week there will be a book box. So that's very exciting. And I think I think we just need to get on. I've had a sip of coffee, but that's all I've had. So whether we'll need to pause for me to take more coffee, I don't know. Oh, and before I go on any further, we have an interview with Simon Koenig. Now, you will have read Simon's books. He's written, I think it's 58. It might even be more than that now. So basically, Basically, he he knows what he's doing. He's written a lot of books and he is the only author that my husband will read. Um, He reads probably one book a year and it's always Simon Koenig. So there we go. But anyway, let's get back to the Facebook group and uh, see what you're all reading. So Nikki uh, is reading Ghosts by Dolly Alderton. Leslie's read, or well, she's just finished reading Spark of Light by Jodie Pickle. 
David is reading He Said, She Said by Erin Kelly. I love that book. I should reread that one. Helen is going for the short story approach, which I think is always useful when you're very, very busy and you haven't got time to immerse yourself in, in a whole novel. Um, and she's reading Stories of Your Life and Others by Ted Chiang. I haven't heard of that one. Uh, Nancy's just finished V2, Robert Harris. I would like to read that. Uh, Laura has uh, read The End of Her by Shari Lepenya. Obviously, we like that one. Love Shari. Uh, Joanne's about to choose some more books to read. Very good. Um, Joe has just finished or is... No, she's still reading. Come on, Philippa, don't rush ahead. She's not finished. She's still reading and enjoying The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes. Uh, and Katie is reading The Minders by John Mars. Absolutely wonderful. Such a variety of books. You're all fabulous people. So what books are we talking about today? Quite a selection, as you can imagine. We've got uh, Killer Stranger by Simon Koenig, The Death of Mrs Westaway by Ruth Ware, Inside Out by Chris McGeorge, A Kind of Spark by L. McNichol and The Minders by John Mars. So we better get started and we're going to be talking to Simon shortly. So I thought I should tell you all about Killer Stranger. So this is out 26th of November, which if my cunning plan works, and I hope it does, will be in three days time for when this podcast comes out. So the podcast should come out on the Monday and the book's going to be published on the Thursday. So if you're sitting there listening to this podcast on the day it's out, you could pre-order now or just wait three full days and then you'll be able to get hold of this book. And I think you will want to. I really do. So here's the blurb. I've got three murder suspects in this police station and a trail of dead bodies. I need to hear from them what happened in the 24 hours leading up to their arrests. I want to let them tell it their way with as little interruption as possible. Give them the rope to hang themselves because right now I think they're all lying. This is quite a change of direction for Simon Koenig, but I thought it was another really good book. It's um, a sort of a crime thriller. Um, uh, you hear what different people are thinking, including the police. It goes forwards and backwards in time. You need to be able to focus yourself on it. But I just thought it was great. Um, it's believable. It's um, it's <laughs> it's believable and it's unbelievable, if you know what I mean. It, it's not one that you're saying, well, that could never have happened. But equally, you're saying, why would people let this happen? How could this be? Um, and I think it's a really good book. I think it's one that a lot of people will enjoy reading. And maybe particularly over the sort of holidays when um, you want something that you can immediately immerse yourself into um, and you don't have to read the whole thing you know you're not going to forget all these characters and, and what's uh, going on having said that I don't think you'll want to leave the book because if you're like me you will start out and think what is going on and then as the book carries on you're thinking even more what is going on so by the end you're just you have to keep reading to find out it's that sort of book which I love and in fact, there's a second blurb. Can you believe that? This book is so cool. It's got two blurbs. So I better read the other blurb as well. Probably gives you a bit more information. To save a life, could you take another? How far would you go for the one you love? And how well do you really know them? They took your fiance. They framed you for murder. You have one chance to save her, to clear your name. You must kill someone for them. They give you the time, the location, the target. You have less than 24 hours. You must make an impossible choice. 
And it's interesting because we interviewed John Mars last week and I think there are some sort of similarities in this story of, um, you know, this person thrust into this situation completely out of their control and just trying to make the right decisions. Or are they? Um, yeah, really good. Um, but I guess what we really need to do is talk to Simon and find out more about where he got the idea for this book and what it is all about. So, Simon, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. It's a pleasure, Philippa. I look forward to it. Well, I was I was so excited to talk to you about this book, Killer Stranger. What, what a book. Plot twists. I mean, how did you come up with the idea of this book? Well, it's always the same with the books. I mean, you have like a basic idea um, and you just spend quite a lot of time just playing about with that idea and adding little bits onto it. I always write a full structure, like a chapter by structure structure. Oh, really? Yeah. But like beforehand, it's kind of like a massive sort of brainstorm and I'm constantly taking notes, um, doing long walks, thinking about, um, uh, about the book. And then sort of from that, structuring up a, um, uh, a full, basically a full-sized um, structure, probably plan about 15,000 words. Then, of course, I get writing and I chop and change it as I go along. Yeah. So the first draft I'll do, and then I think at the end of the first draft or even halfway through, I think, ah, oh, that would be better if I could do that, make little changes here and there. And, and you do that again for the second draft. So basically, it's quite a long, drawn-out process. And really, by the time the final twists go in, <laughs> like there's a twist right at the end of Killer Strangers, you know, literally on the last page. I mean, that didn't get sort of thought about or put in until well into draft two. You know, it's a different ending. Gosh. And then before yeah. that, under the end of draft one, when I actually delivered it to have a, for my editor to have a look at, that didn't really have an ending. Uh, I kind of gave it to him 95% done because I said, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to finish it. So, you know, it's it's a long old hike, put it like yes. that. Yes. Boom, you know. I but then, you then you end up with this glorious book with the, all these twists. I mean, it. I hate to say it was fun to read because obviously it's, you know, a grisly subject, but it was fun to read in that it it, it was so pacey and, and, the, and the twist. Was it fun to write? Um. Well, you know what, it's an odd thing with books. Um, the initial kind of brainstorming the idea and writing the plan, I enjoy. I find that quite good fun because you're thinking, you're thinking of all these sort of ideas. You think, oh, that looks clever. That sounds, mm. you can write sort of little scenes in, but you can write them really roughly. So it's not a big, um, you know, it's not a big lot of work, if you like. But the actual writing the first draft is pretty gruesome, to be honest, because, um, you know, everything you've thought up in the plot and in the structure, it's just, it just takes so much longer. I mean, you write a sentence, stop for two minutes, scratch your head, write another sentence. But then afterwards, when you're going back over it and draft two or, or editing sort of the second draft and you're coming in with new bits and pieces, it's great fun again. So I love the final edit and I love the sort of, you know, the editing as I'm going along and I love the beginning, but the actual act of writing is, oh man, boring. <laughs> do you set yeah. yourself uh, a target are you sort of well it has to be 2,000 words a day or, or are you yeah, just exactly uh, it's about okay. I like to do 2,000 words a day five days a week so 10,000 words a week if I can I mean I've, to be honest more often than not I don't hit that but I usually hit you know eight or nine thousand when I'm going occasionally I hit two ten thousand um and I kind of write a chunk in the morning and a chunk in the afternoon 
uh, tend to do it five days a week. But if I'm sort of, you know, a bit behind or I'm, in, you know, it's going really well, I'll do a little bit at the weekend here and there. You mentioned the the sections of the work that you enjoy the most. Which is your absolute favourite? Which stage do you get to and think this? I enjoy this bit the most. Is it the initial ideas or is it yeah. the final edit? It's probably, well, it's a bit of, it's quite difficult actually because the initial idea is a really good fun because, you know, you can mm. thought of an idea and then you play about with it, but you can kind of play about with it sort of in between books, if you like, you know, so it's kind of a relaxed process of going for walks, taking a few notes, thinking, oh, that's clever. So I really enjoy that. But there's a great satisfaction at the very end of putting the final kind of twist, the final sort of icing mm. on the cake. I do love that part, I must admit. So if I had to choose between the two, I'd probably say the end part, because obviously that means then it's also the end of the book. And you kind of think, well, I've done it now. That's that's my... Do you physically type the end or or do you not? Yeah, I do. Do many other writers? I don't know. I never ask other writers if they type the end or not. It seems to be mixed. Um, I would find it very cathartic to to type the end. Yeah, I I like writing the end. Yeah, no, I do like writing. Yeah. Um, so obviously this book is standalone, but you are, yeah, well, that's what I'm going to ask. Um, you've, you've done quite a few series. Are, are you tempted to, to bring back any of the living characters for, for another one? Um, what, from Killer Stranger? Yeah, sorry. From- yeah, from Killer Stranger. Yeah. Uh, probably not actually no almost certainly not I liked them they were good characters um, none of them particularly uh, likeable or certainly all of them with uh, you know fairly sizable flaws but I um, no I, I think uh, sometimes you just tell a tale in one go and that's enough uh, so no I won't be bringing them back I don't think do you find that you're more drawn to writing a series so would that be your next next one or are you are you sort of having a break a longer term break from a series well it's interesting i'm at, i was actually contracted to by a headline to write sta- a couple of standalones two two standalones oh. one after the other um so that's kind of the, one of the reasons to write a standalone but i quite enjoy doing them actually um it, I, I i'm writing a standalone now and i'm enjoying doing that uh, but only because again i've got a good idea for it uh, I, I like writing a series insofar as it's quite nice not to have to rethink a completely new mm. character. But I've always kind of written loose series anyway, so characters have always kind of come in and out of my books. Indeed. And even with Killer Stranger, it's kind of never say never. I mean, you know, if I suddenly had an idea for, you know, one of the characters, I, I, I'd, I'd chuck them in, um, definitely. Um, it's just I've got no plans to. But certainly, you know, I mean, I didn't, I had a character um, from um, The Crime Trade, uh, my third book, Stegs Jenner, and I brought him back in The Hanged Man, which I think is book number 18. And so there's 15 books, but then, you know, mm. and it was just like re- rewriting him from scratch again. I thought, oh, I remember him so well. So I always <laughs> quite like the fact that I've still got these characters in reserve. And almost certainly I will bring back some of the series characters at some point. Um, but it just depends, really. It depends what people want. Um, and you know, what the ideas are like, because, you know, it, it really is dependent on on what ideas I can come up with. And obviously, mm. the more books you do, and I'm, I'm up at sort of 21, 22 now, um, you know, the ideas don't flow quite as fast, because <laughs> a lot of the time you've, you've used them. So, um, yeah, it, everything is dependent on the idea. If I've got a de- decent story idea, a decent plot, then I, I, I kind of work whatever characters I'm going to use or uh, from either the past or 
the present into that, basically. Are you, are you ever tempted to completely change the genre that you're writing to go for something, I don't know, sci-fi or I something completely different? Yes. Or are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I, I, when I was young, when I was a kid, um, I always wrote uh, sort of fantasy stroke swords and sorcery. Um, Allah, sort of Conan stroke yes. uh, Lord of the Rings or whatever <laughs> and I used to love writing them and I used to love reading books like uh, sci-fi or, or the kind of sword and sorcery fantasy books I don't read them so much anymore but I, in more in recent years I've had a bit of a hankering to go writing that because you know you can sit in, a, in one genre for for so long um, and I, I'd hate to think of myself as ever you know repeating the same story or you mm. know using characters who became a bit boring so yeah I'm tempted but whether I actually get around to doing it, I've been tempted to go back into writing fantasy for probably at least 10 books now and I haven't managed it. so we shall see maybe one day maybe I had a bit more time on my hands um we'll, we'll see oh interesting and during the the dreaded lockdown has it altered the way you get ideas or the way you write well um no, not really. I haven't really used, I mean, obviously I'm writing a book now, which is contemporary, it will presumably come out sort of around late next year, this time, you know, a year mm. on from Killer Stranger. Um, and I'm hoping by that point, of course, that there's no, you know, there's no more COVID. Yes. But even if there is, uh, no, I make no mention of it. I, I'm just not interested. I mean, because I'm not saying this takes place in 2020 or 2021 or whatever, it doesn't matter. But as far as I'm concerned, everyone is pig sick of it. And everyone's had enough yeah. of it um, and certainly no one particularly if we go beyond it no one is going to want to yeah. hear about it for several <laughs> years at the very least so i don't put anything in in terms of how it's affected you know coming up with ideas or, or yeah work, um well i've i i've had a tendon operation a tendon replacement operation in my foot um in the middle of summer um and that has slowed me down a lot in terms of my walking and walking is where mm. I got my idea. So, um, uh, and a sort of short run up to, to that during the first part of lockdown, I couldn't do much walking either. So yeah. that, that more than anything has constrained my um, ideas. Uh, luckily, I, you know, the book I'm writing, I planned before that. But, you know, I'm hoping for a full recovery and then the end of COVID, then obviously, um, you know, I can start walking around and thinking up the next idea. Yeah, super. So how do you keep the pace so sort of tight and strong? Because the books are very pacey. Do you, does that come through as the editing process or is that just your writing style? You keep well, the reader? Well, I do try to, you know, make, keep them pacey. So um, in terms of, uh, you know, how they look on the final page, I mean, you know, in the first draft, I mean, I keep the chapter short. I do try to make it as fast paced as possible. Mm. And I can't think of anything worse than, you know, sitting there um, writing and being bored. Because if I'm bored writing, <laughs> I'm really bored, as I can sometimes get, then the reader's bored. And I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably good at picking up on that. And so therefore, when that happens, I'll go back over the scene and, you know, either cut it completely or... Um, right. Uh, you know, or, or trim it down so it's a bit less boring, you know. So I think, um, but it's the editing process, really. I mean, I lose a lot of words in the editing, you know, my editing, then my editor's editing, and then uh, my editing again on top of that. I mean, I probably lose 20% of the words, you know, just wasted words. Um, and 
And obviously, when you go back over the sort of first draft for the, for the second draft, you think, ah, oh, you know, that's too long. That, that's boring. Yeah. And then you just keep tightening up. And that's really what I try and do. So I do try to start writing fast pace from the beginning, but it's obviously helped as, as I go along. It's another, again, it's just quite a long process. Um, and do you see the, the sort of action as if it's a film in your mind as you're writing, or is it literally just the, the words as you're, as you're putting them down? No, I see it as a film. I always I always visualize it and I always I always speak the dialogue aloud in my head as if I'm ah. a film of two people in the book you know having that conversation and, and how it plays out so hopefully that makes a dialogue sound more realistic yeah and also uh, it does help me to maybe think well actually did they really need to add on those sentences you know if I was watching a film and those sentences you know they, they, mm. he said that and then she said that would that be slightly you know boring or you know is it really going anywhere so but yeah I play everything out in my head as if it is I'm watching the tv or the film or whatever more tv these days so I kind of look at it as like if I you know one of the books is like a six-parter I always try to come up with cliffhangers at certain points within the book as if it's the end of an episode so um yeah yeah yeah. And the book felt to me as if I was in a room full of circus mirrors where I'd look at it in one mirror and think oh that that's what's going to happen that's how it is and then you go to another mirror and you're like oh well no hang on it's changed and changed and changed it's great from seeing w one issue from these different sort of perspectives and uh... yeah I, I like doing that although it's quite hard to write that because um obviously if you talk about the same thing or even picture this, uh, describe the, the same place physically from two different points of view you do run the risk of repetition all the time so it's quite hard to to get the different voices to you know covering the same the same thing it's not yeah it's not an easy process but um yeah i'm glad it's it's worked oh gosh yes ab absolutely it's it's definitely worked as as to all your books so you've mentioned that you're currently working on this um other standalone book yes. um and that will be out in about 12 months time yeah i mean usually my books come out in in hardback as killer stranger will sort of tail end of november you know mm. christmas so um unless something dramatic happens that messes it up, which is highly unlikely because I'm already quite way into the first draft, it will come out next November as well. And presumably but, there's nothing you can tell us about that book yet. Um, no, I can't really. No. Uh, <laughs> said it's a completely different story to Kill a Stranger and quite different to, to what I've written before. But again, you know, everything is down to the pace. I mean, um, you know, it's written at a, it starts at a very fast pace. And, you know, I'm in the first draft at the moment. So, you know, I, I, you know, I'll be writing a chapter. And I'm thinking, is this, you know, is this any good? Is this going anywhere? Is this keeping the pace going or is it slowing it down? So there's a lot of that, um, uh, which always happens, especially when you're about a third of the way through, which I am. But, uh, yeah, I can't tell you too much, but it's good. <laughs> it's probably not that great at the moment. They're never that great when I start off on them. Oh, I'm sure it is. Well, um, love Killer Stranger and look forward to, to the next Thank book in 12 months time. Thanks, Simon, for your time. A pleasure, Philippa. Cheers, Nana. Well, wasn't that fascinating? It's just brilliant to talk to Simon and hear all about the book, 
Kill a Stranger. Really enjoyed that one. Now, let's get on to the next book. So the next one that I really enjoyed is called The Death of Mrs. Westaway by Ruth Ware. This one has been out for a while so that if you're having problems getting hold of books at the moment, uh, this one should be uh, more easily available for you. The blurb is this. When Harriet Westaway receives an unexpected letter telling her she's inherited a substantial estate from her Cornish grandmother, it seems like the answer to her prayers. She owes money to a loan shark and the threats are getting increasingly aggressive. She needs to get her hands on some cash fast. There's just one problem. Hal's grandparents died more than 20 years ago. The letter has been sent to the wrong person. But Hal knows that the cold reading techniques she's honed as a seaside fortune teller could help her con her way to getting the money. If anyone has the skills to turn up at a stranger's funeral and claim a bequest they're not entitled to, it's her. Hal makes a choice that will change her life forever. But once she embarks on her deception, there is no going back. She must keep going or risk losing everything even her life. Um, in short, I did really enjoy it. Um, there were some times when I thought, oh gosh, I want more from this book, but then more was delivered. So I don't know really what I'm <laughs> what I'm waffling about, but never mind. Um, I thought it was I thought it was a good book, one of her one of Ruth Ware's best. Um, I think The Turn of the Key is slightly better if I can say that, but I still thought it was a good read. It had all the components that you want. And certainly it was one where I was sort of rushing to finish those pages um, and uh, wondering how it was all going to end. And there were some quite you know, shocking moments in it um, that kept you turning the pages. So, yeah, very good, particularly if you're a fan of Ruth Ware, you'll you'll love it. Um, and if you just like sort of psychological thrillers, the sort of how is this going to end? Yes crimes are in it when is it crime and when is it a psychological thriller uh clearly i'm not gifted enough psychologically today to to tell you that but that's what that's what i'm going for um now another well i don't know even what genre this is but it's it's crazy is the minders uh, by john mars um this book is published by penguin and it, it's different so if you enjoyed The One Passengers, you'll love this. Um, and I certainly did, so I enjoyed it. Five strangers guard our secrets. Only four can be trusted. In the 21st century, information is king, but computers can be hacked and files can be broken into. So a unique government initiative has been born. Five ordinary people have been selected to become minders, the latest weapon in thwarting cyber terrorism. Transformed by a revolutionary medical procedure, the country's most classified information has been taken offline and turned into genetic code implanted inside their heads. Together, the five know every secret, the truth behind every government lie, conspiracy theory and cover up. In return, they're given the chance to leave their problems behind and a blank slate to start their lives anew. But not everyone should be trusted, especially when they each have secrets of their own. They'll do anything to protect. This is, uh, well, I listened to it on audiobook. It, it's a book with five sort of main characters in it that you follow. Sometimes for me, five is too many because I start getting confused. I did not get confused with that. Each is very unique in their own identity. Um, and was very clearly set out. And that really helped move the pace of the story along. I enjoyed it. As I say, if you like the passengers and the one, then I think you would love this. There's a bit of a sort of a handbrake change coming towards the end. But actually, it's very important for the story 
um, to end as it does. Not going to say anything else. You know me. But also, um, it, it's just different and it makes you think about how data is stored and what alternatives there are available. Um, and it again, it keeps you guessing how, how the story will end um, and whose viewpoint is right. And you get to feel sorry for these characters in a way, even though they're, well, I won't say anymore, Philip, I don't speak the words. Uh, read it, listen to it. It's a good book, um, particularly if you like some books that are slightly different, pushing the sort of boundaries of what is believable or not. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean if you're a very sort of uh, either it's red or it's blue, if, if you're that person, then this book might not be for you because um, it, it, it involves something quite different. Um, but I think that's great because you want fresh ideas like that. And it, as I say, it gets you thinking. So Minders by John Mars. Very, very good. It's a bit of a John Mars month, I think. Um, now, the next book is called Inside Out by Chris George. Um, I really enjoyed this one. It was another one that arrived on a Saturday. It's always good when books arrive on a Saturday because I just can immerse myself in them more than during the week. Um, but it arrived on the Saturday. I started reading it and I finished it on the Saturday. It was just one of those. Again, it's a book that has a gear change, a bit of a handbrake pulled up for this one about three quarters of the way through. Um, and in some ways, I wish that what was contained in that gear change had been spread more liberally through the story. So I didn't feel the sort of the handbrake being pulled on as much. But then in some ways it's necessary to the story and you wouldn't want some of those pieces of information coming at the very beginning. So I don't I don't know. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing. It's just I'm just saying just prepare yourself. But it's a book that you get into straight away. Let me read you the blurb. Cara Lockhart has just commenced a life sentence in HMP North Fern, the newest maximum security women's prison in the country. She was convicted of a crime she is adamant she didn't commit. One morning she wakes up to find her cellmate murdered, shot in the head with a gun that is missing. The door was locked all night, which makes Cara the only suspect. Cara needs to clear her name, unravelling an impossible case with an investigation governed by a prison timetable. But as Cara starts to learn more about North Fern and the predicament she is in, she finds connections between the past and present that she never could have imagined. Indeed, it seems that her conviction and her current situation might be linked in very strange ways. Um, I had not heard of this author before and I will certainly be looking out for their books from this point on. Um, very skilled, very easy to get into, um, very easy to portray something that some might say, oh, is that a, is that a, a complex idea? Um, but painting it in a very simple, easy light. I'm not saying it's a simple book. It's just one that... You don't you don't have to struggle with. You can just enjoy the story and the pace of it. And um, I could clearly see the characters. Um, so the picture was painted very well for me. Yeah, really good, really good, slightly different, really good and an, and an author to follow. So I need I say any more? Good, good book. Good book. Read it. Inside Out, Chris George. So finally... We're coming to this book, which is called this book. I'm holding it up, but you can't see it. So I do need to tell you the name. Honestly, Philippa, A Kind of Spark by Elle McNichol. Now, I'm not 
not going to go into lots of details about the reasons why, but I'm just going to say that it is appearing that I need to do some background research on the subject of autism um, for something to do with our family. So I went onto Twitter and the my Twitter friends, my Twitter family did not let me down. I just said, right, what sort of mid-grade books on autism could you recommend? Um, and I thought, well, I'll have a read of them first before I pass them on. And it was very interesting because what's clear is that some books that I might have thought were the ones to go to, that perhaps are the ones that would come to mind more traditionally, um, The Rosie Project, Curious Incident of a of a Dog, it, 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 those weren't the ones that were being recommended. In fact, those were the ones that were saying, no, that, that those really aren't the ones to read now. There are better books out there. Um, so there were about, oh, I don't know, six books that really seemed to come up again and again. So I've got those. So you are going to hear me talking about these books in future episodes. Um, and I think whether you are connected to someone who has autism or not, these are great books. Um, if you look at The Curious Incident, The Dog at Nighttime, if you look at The Rosie Project, those are top selling books. So and we should learn more about ourselves and and about those around us. So um, this, let's let's read the blurb. Addie knows exactly who she is. Addie knows that sharks are more interesting than dolphins. She knows her favourite words in the thesaurus. And she knows that her older sisters are opposites. And when Addie learns about the witch trials that happened in her hometown, she knows that there is more to the story of these witches, just like there is more to her. As Addie tries to get her small town to make a memorial for the witches, can she challenge the way they see her? A Kind of Spark is a story about courage, friendship and what it means to be different. Now, this was perhaps the top book that had been recommended to me. Um, for, for me, it was a quick read, 184 pages. It's a beautiful book. Um, it's very interesting. It's very educational. For me, it was, even though it's fiction. Um, and it, it's something that I think a, a lot of people need to read. It just gives you more information. Um, if you're put off by the witch connotations and think that might be too heavy going um, or, or difficult to read, I would say no, not at all. Um, it just adds another element to the story. And I thought... I thought it was a fascinating book um, and I'm going to be reading more of more of these. But a, a top book, really good, mid-grade read um, and one that I will be passing on. So I think we've covered quite a few books, to be fair. Shall, shall we just go through them? Shall we have a bit of a recap? Um, right. So first of all, I mean, of course, we had Killer Stranger by Simon Koenig. We can't forget that, can we? We had The Death of Mrs. Westaway by Ruth Ware. Um, we had The Minders by John Mars. We had Inside Out by Chris McGregor. No, no, not Chris McGregor, Philippa. Do you know what the problem is? I've started to speed up because I can hear that somebody in the house has put the washing machine on and pretty soon it's going to get so loud that it's going to take over this podcast. So I'm trying to talk really quickly before it gets too loud. Oh dear, never mind. The book Inside Out is written by Chris McGeorge. 
there we go apologies for that one and uh did i say a kind of spark by l mcnichol i don't think i did if i did then i'm repeating myself and if i didn't then i've just embarrassed myself so either way it's a thumbs down for philippa but there we go i think we've had an an interesting um an interesting time today how you managed to put up with me i don't know but we've been hearing about the lovely facebook group and what they're reading you're welcome to join us there um, we've been listening to Simon Koenig talk about his writing process. He has written quite a few books and we've had a, an array of books from brand new to, to older books, um, to those sort of mid-grade, to those more on, on the sort of adult grown up side. A whole variety, audiobooks to printed books. Where will it end? Um, I think I'm going to go now because the machine is getting louder and louder and uh, I don't want that to trouble your ears. Look, ha just have a great week. Look after yourselves and I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. 